0: Well, our fearless leaders are still away for another week, and um, I've been talking with Kent during the week. They're having a uh, a great time over there uh, with their grandbaby. Um, with their grandbaby, we had a Zoom uh, a Zoom meeting with them the other night, a leadership Zoom meeting, and Panya uh, brought this that, that uh, little baby. Into the into the camera, and she was like sniffing it and all that, and I sort of, <laughs> I was starting to feel the urge, you know. Again, I, I've always been a um, always sort of boys uh, been a bit of a sniffer. I've always I've always really loved the um, babies. I can remember when my mum. So so I'm one of, um, of of one of eleven, but I have three adopted brothers. But when my um, youngest sister was born. My mum always tells the story about me, um, like I would get up at every single feeding, At like didn't matter what time of the night, I just... I was just there. She said she never woke me, but I must have been able to hear Jeannie crying and I'd be up there and I just wanted to be a part of the whole process. And, you know, it never changed right through my life. I've just always loved little babies and uh, loved watching them go through all of their processes, you know, in life. And um, it, yeah. so to do a, a dedication and to, to hear Quib- Quibbis' um, amazing uh, testimony, I've heard it, like I said, in li- live, but to watch it, You know, it just, and and to, it it sort of actually ties into the message that I preached last week, I believe. You know, I'm sure that they had times there where they, where when, when it failed and, you know, and they became discouraged that, you know, they cried and they, and they, you know, asked the Lord why and why that, why is there so many other people being able to have babies? And, and, uh, and I know other people that have been in that same position, you know, that they, I mean, they're, they're, we're desperate for that. We're desperate to have families and bring up our children and, and see them grow and see them being part of the next generation and things like that. And when it doesn't happen, you know, we can imagine. You, well, well, I can only imagine, but that, you know, the, the heartache and the pain that they go through and, and all the steps along the way. And, you know, that as Quippus was sharing that testimony, I was thinking about what I shared last week they basically followed that entire s- steps, those five steps, you know, they wept and they, they didn't allow themselves to get better even though they sometimes looked at children, other kids and sort of thought, well, how come them, not us? But they never allowed themselves to get bitter, and so they started thinking about pa- plan B and isn't that just like the enemy to try to give you a plan B when there's really a plan A? You know, and we'll settle for a plan B, We'll settle for it. We'll think, well, this is it. But really what the enemy was trying to do was he was trying to rob them of the, of the joy of a baby. But, you know, but, but I love the way how God steps in and how God actually gave them a word and, 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 and gave them a hope uh, um, and, and encouraged them again to go again. And so they did, you know, and then and then again, you know, the reports all come back, and you know, I think that it, it, it reminded me of of that um, Indian guy that spoke over Kimberly and Duncan, and he said, "Don't believe what the report says, and yet, uh, Quipus and Phoebe, they had a report there that said that these eggs are, are really they're not, the, they're not the, the number one choice, you know but. Look Look what the fruit of it was, amen? You know what, it was incredible. And so uh, um, we have this beautiful little boy today because they didn't pay attention to what the report said. They paid attention to what God had put on their hearts. And I think that that's really important. So just before I get started, I just want to recap a little bit on, on um, last week. But um, on, on a one particular point really, But before I do that, I just want to say that, you know, um, somebody's tutuing with my my thing up there. Um, So I just wanted to, while our pastors are away, I just want to say I woke up in the middle of the night and I started thinking about the process of the merge. And it's been nearly two years since Kent and Panya have been the senior pastors here. And I want to say that, Um, I really want to honor you as a church. You know, so many people came to us and they said, Jack, uh, uh, it was nothing personal against Kent and Panya, nothing at all. But they came to us and they said, Jack, what you're trying to do here or what you wanting to do, what you and Sari are wanting to do, statistically, it won't work. They just don't work. Mergers do not work. And often, when they talk about, you know, if if, if a pastor is going to retire, they always encourage you to have like a son in the house. They call it a son in the house. That somebody that you've brought up and somebody that knows your ways and basically like another mini-me, right? And so that when you step down, the church carries on exactly the way that it was meant to go or the way that it was going. Uh, But but I have three adopted brothers and yet they are as much my brothers as my natural brothers are and I love them exactly the same and so adoption is really not a surprise to me. In fact, it's a great thing. And so when I, uh, so you know the story when I met Kent and Panya, or met Kent basically and I felt God say that's the man you're going to serve. When I started to talk to other pastors about it, they said, Jack, don't do it mate, it won't work. But, you know, we always judge stuff by their fruit, don't we? We judge the the quality of a tree by the fruit that it produces. And so I judge the the merge uh, by the fruit of what's taken place. And though sometimes we look around and we think, oh, there's not so many people. We haven't got such a full house today. Well, at the moment, there's 400 seats sitting in this room. And if we took out the seats, all the extra seats back there, we would be, that we would normally have out, we would be pecked right through. And, and our, our books say the church is growing faster than anybody's exiting. Amen? That's always a good sign as a pastor. And so a scripture the Lord gave me this morning, and while I was laying awake, it was in Acts 5.34. And what it is, it's the story of the Jesus has been to the cross, he's been resurrected, and the disciples are out now, they're, they're bold as lions, you know, and they're out there sharing all what took place. And they're telling the people that these people crucified this Jesus, but our Father, but God raised him from the dead, and we're witnesses of it. And the Pharisees really did not like that because what they were doing was they were pointing the finger to the Pharisees and they were saying, actually, it was these guys who crucified our Christ. And so there was a, a um, uh, and they wanted to kill these disciples. You know, when somebody's speaking against something that you're not happy about, well, what do we want to do? We want to silence them in any way. Well, back in those days, it just seemed like it was easy to kill somebody. Today, it's not quite so easy. We find other ways to shut people up. But anyway, what happens is there was a Pharisee among them and he said, here, let me just tell you a story, guys. There was a guy who rose up a little while ago who thought he was somebody. And he got 400 people to follow him, but the 400 people fell by the way and that guy died and it came to nothing. But what he he went on to say was he said, you know, if these guys are talking about something and if it's of God, it'll come to something. But if it's not of God, it'll just come to nothing. And I don't know why God gave me that word this morning, but I really felt this, that I started to think of the fruit trees, I started to think of the season that we're coming into with all the blossoms, all the fruit trees are gonna come into fruit and the productivity. And and I started to uh, picture this church as a church that's going to come into a new season of growth and of productivity. And so I believe that what the Lord is saying, that even though it's not always the same, and sometimes we start to look at it and say, well, it's not like it used to be, and it's not like this. I, I don't believe that's, that's the, the thing that we need to focus on here. I think what we need to focus on, is God in it or is he not? And the proof in the pudding is that he is, amen, because the church is growing. Just that's all I wanted to say on that matter. Okay, so last week we talked about the thief that comes. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. he I'll, I'll try to be brief on this. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's going to visit every one of our lives at some stage. Tried to visit quibus and Phoebe. Um, uh, uh, tried to rob them of the, of the joy of a baby. So the thief is going to come. And, uh, you know, I... Shared the story. I'm not going to read it in 1 Samuel 30, but the, 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 the gist of the story is that David and his men, 600 men, they'd been away. They come back to their, to their city and they're, they're, they're excited about seeing their wives. They've been away for three weeks. They're excited about seeing their wives, their children. The men are happy to, it's like, this is our town. This is, you know, we're excited about this. But when they arrive, they find that their city has been burnt to the ground. It's just smoldering ashes. Their wives have been taken. Their children have been taken. Taken Everything that they owned had been taken. And so the men are in, in complete dis- despair. It's like the worst day of their lives. I mean, we've had bad days, but, but I don't think we've had too many days that compare to that, where everything, everything that you have and that you hold precious is gone. And so what these men did was they... The Bible says that the first thing that they did was that they cried. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. And, I, and, and, and as through the week as I was sitting in a digger working while well, I was th- thinking about that. And I thought, you know, the, uh, of the five steps that we talked about last week, th- th- this is the easiest step. Because we've all been, we've been cre- created with, like, with emotion. We're like an emo- We're emotional people, and and we and we and crying is like a natural emotion, and and it's not just when we're in despair. You know, we can cry for uh, 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 tears of joy. Um, you know, how many of us have seen something amazing that's that's happened, and we just we just weep over it. We cry, not really weep. It's like cry. It's tears of joy. And then there's other times when, it's in, when we cry uh, um, in despair and when things aren't going the way we want or something's been removed from us or, uh, there's a thousand reasons why we cry, but it's a human emotion. And I believe that the reason that the Lord put that in that story is because it was important that when something goes wrong or something uh, terrible's happening in our life, that crying is a way of like, as, as, preparing us for the next step. It's like we have to get that out of the way. It's like we have to get the, the emotion out of the way so that then the Lord can give us a, a, a direction. And so that's what happened. David actually cried till he couldn't cry anymore. And then the next thing that he did was he, he, he didn't allow himself to become bitter towards anybody but the enemy. But the enemy. See, his men turned on him. And they, they it's a human human thing. We, we want to blame somebody. So they blamed David. And so what David did was he pulled himself away from that situation. He got himself out of that situation and he made a decision that he wasn't going to allow himself to become bitter. He wasn't. He'd finished his crying. I'm not going to become bitter. So he withdrew himself and he got to a place where he encouraged himself in God. And and, and and that's a really hard thing to do when you're feeling like th- you've lost everything. Sometimes we just want to revel in our misery. I shared that last week. You know, Sari would say, mate, you ain't going to sit around here being miserable. Get out. Get it sorted. Don't come home till it's done. And I would do that. I would go up and I'd find a way. You know, when God... When, when, you have a, when you get before the Lord and he knows that your heart is that you don't want to stay where you are, I assure you, I promise you, God will help you in this. And you will find a way that you will be encouraged. So we come from discouragement to encouragement, amen? And when we're encouraged, then, of course, we're ready for the, the next step. And uh, the, the, the next step was that, that David inquired of the Lord, it says. And I'd like to get to that point. I really want to, really um, so the first step was David wept. Um, his men wept. They got it all out of the way. You know, and uh, I just want to say this, Ecclesiastes 3, 4, I said it last week. There is a time for weeping. You know, the Lord said that himself. Guys, there is a time to weep. Don't hold it back. Don't think it's a lack of faith. Don't let anybody tell you you have no faith because you're crying over a situation. There is a time to weep. But Psalm 35 says, weeping may stay for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And so we need to understand that, that there's a process and even in our crying that you know we can cry, but we cry for a time. And then, we, then we've done our crying and now we have to move on And we have to find a place of joy to be able to move on. Because if we're still in our misery, we will keep coming back to that same place all the time. Have you ever been there where you think, yep, I've done it, I've got it? It's like forgiveness in a way. You know when somebody's done something really, really to hurt you. Or they've done done something that, that you're now holding forgiveness of. But you make a decision you know, Lord, I choose to forgive that person. That's the first place where it starts. But then this, the, and, and, and you think you've done it. You've found this place of sort of peace. But then the next time you see that person, you feel it start to rise up in you again. And you start to feel like you see that they have a, diff, a better car or they have a, it doesn't matter what it is. Somehow it's like, the old starts to rise up again and you start to rehearse all the things that you had said before. I, I, I'm a professional. I've been there. I've been there. I've had guys do things to me and whatever else, it doesn't matter. And sometimes they haven't done anything to me, but I've, but I've rehearsed it and turned it into something that it wasn't there. That, you know that w- And they're getting on with their life as happy as, but you're miserable in yours because you just keep coming back to it. And you know, we have to get to that place where, where eventually forgiveness comes completely. And when you see that person, all you want to do is you just want to see the best for them in their lives. And that's when you know complete forgiveness has come about. And that's what it's like with joy You know, you can have joy for a moment and then you're back in here. But you have to say, Lord, I choose to be joyful in this situation. I choose to see the best or I choose to see the the outcome that I'm looking for. You know, there's got to be an outcome that we're looking for that causes us to come back out of the mire and look up. Like Jay says often, look up to the hills where our help comes from. Amen? Amen. We have to get our eyes up off the ground and we have to look up and we have to see what we're trying, where we're trying to get to. And so it's really important. And so the, the, and the third step, that I, the, the step that I really wanted to share on this morning, and I think it's the most powerful step here, because if we don't inquire of the Lord, then we start to formulate ways that we can do it ourselves. Amen. We just start to think, well, that's a good idea. I'll give that a go or I'll give this a go. And there's a circumstance in the Bible where David is out. Now he is now king. He has just become king over all of Israel. And the Philistines think, well, man, we're going to nail this guy right now. We're going to get onto this. We're going to shut this down right now because before he was king, he was like a thorn in our side. He was coming after us all the time. But now he's king and he can, he's got an army, a decent army behind him. He's going he, to make our lives a misery. So we're going to come against him. So they arrive in this valley. The valley of, I'm not, I don't know actually how to, how to say it. It's the valley of, Cheryl? Raphael. Ra- Okay, anyway, let me say this. It's the land of giants. That's what it's called. So David finds himself in the valley in the land of giants. Some of us have been in that place where, where everything around us just seems too big. And so what happens is David inquires of the Lord. The Bible says David inquires of the Lord. Lord, should I, should I attack? The Lord says, yes, you should attack and you will surely have the victory. So David goes out there, and they, they really give the Philistines a hiding. But the Philistines, they scatter, and then a, 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 a little while later, the Philistines have regrouped, and they, they come back to the same place. They come back into the same valley, the Valley of Giants. David finds himself, funnily enough, David finds himself under a tree. And the, uh, and the name of that, the, the Hebrew name of that tree is, a, is, a, is called a weeping tree. Interesting, eh? So that David's under this weeping tree. And he says to the Lord, so he inquires of the Lord again and he says, Lord, should I attack? And the Lord says, yes, you should attack. So David thinks that, that, that because he did it that way one other time, that that way is the way to do it again. But you see, the Lord, if he hadn't inquired of the Lord, he would have just done it. He would have followed the the steps of success last time. But the Lord turns around and he says, no, don't go that way. He says this. He says, when you hear a rustling in the trees, so this is like God saying, you know, you, you need to hear from me over this thing. He says, when you hear the rustling in the, of, in the trees, then you'll know that I've gone before you. But don't go the way you went last time. Go around and come in from the other side. And so, had David actually attacked in the way that he was, that he he wanted to in his own way, there's a good chance that he'd have got a hiding. Because the Philistines were prepared for David to come the way he went last time. So the Lord says, don't do that. Go around and come in from behind. And then you'll get your victory. See, it's all about hearing from God, amen? It's all about allowing God to speak into your life so that you can get direction for victory, because that's what it's all about, isn't it? We're looking for victory in every situation. Lord, should I do this? Yes, you should do that. Lord, should I do that? No, don't do that. See, there's victory in no. Yeah, that's good, Jack. I think there's great victory in no. When Ross and I started Hogfield, Ross came to me and saying, you know, Dad, look, I, I, I got this great idea for business, uh, but I haven't got any money. <laughs> yeah, that's the bottom line. I haven't got any money. So uh, would you invest in it? Would you help me set up this company? And I'm like, well, you know, we didn't, hardly, we didn't really have the money, at, at, to be truthful. But I, there, I've always sort of felt that I've always had a bit of a way of, of finding money. <laughs> and uh, so what happens is that I, 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 I said to Ross, look, you know, everything in me wants to help you start this business. But I don't want to do this unless I know that, that God's in this. I want this to be a God thing. And so, and, and so then Ross helps the situation. He says, Dad, but I need an answer in like two days because this machine we're buying, it's going to be somebody else is going to get it and I'll, I want to hit him off. So I needed an answer and I said to Sarah, Sarah, look, we, we, what do you think about this? Sarah said, well, look, you know, if you feel good about it, she takes the easy approach, right? If you feel good about it, I'm with you on it. But if it turns to rubbish, I'm coming looking for you. And so I just needed a word from God, and I couldn't find one. And I rang Ross, and I said, Lord, Ross, I'm just not, I I, I want to do this, mate, but I haven't got a word yet. And Ross said, Dad, you know, time's running out. We just lost another day. You know, I need to know by such and such a time. So it's interesting. I was pulling out of the supermarket. Down at the New World, there, just pulling out onto the street, instantly a scripture comes to me. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Now, most people would just say, Well, that's just a great faith scripture. But to me, it was the word that I was looking for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. We were hoping for that business, that it would be a successful business. It's a lot of money to set up a business like that. The evidence. Of things unseen, and so I, I rang Ross and I said, "Yep, let's get it done." And it was enough. It gave me the confidence. And see, this is the other thing: you get a word from God, man, you get confidence. Amen. You're confident to do some stuff now that that you couldn't do without that word from the Lord, because fear will always take that place. You know, faith and fear—they're like they're like water and oil; they just don't mix. But But fear is always trying to take faith's place. And so if if we're not living by faith, I would say this, we're living by fear. We allow the things of the world to to dedicate or to, to dictate how we will live. So we base our decisions on all the negativity that's around us because that's what is around us. Doesn't matter what you would go on any news channel on, thing, on TV and it's negative, 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 negative. Don't do this because this might happen. Don't do that because that might happen. But when we walk by faith, when we live by faith, we live confidently. And, and we serve a good God who's got a great plan for yours and my lives. He's not gonna steer you and I crook. There's no way. He's gonna, he's gonna set us up to fall. And so a word from God is so important, amen. And you know, and, and so a Rhema word I talked last week, a logos word is the is the written word. It's the word that you, we have in our Bibles, and we read that. And they're not just words on a on a in a book. they the, the Bible's not just a book. People think it's just a book. It's not a book. It's life. Yeah. Those are the words Jesus. The, Jesus said. I'm life. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh, that's Jesus. So the word, those words that are written, they're life, but they're different than a rhema word. So the rhema word is the word that that you and I are looking for in a situation that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves in a situation where where we're gonna start making decisions for ourselves, or we're gonna start making decisions uh, by ourselves, and we really need to hear from God over it, amen? So we need a rhema word, we need a, a spoken word. And the rhema word is a specific now word. It's for like now. It's like when the Lord said to David, when you hear the rustling in the trees, move quickly, he said. So you know, when you, hear a, when you get a word from God, don't ponder over it for three months. Act upon it. That's what I believe. You know what? It's like when you take up an offering. I've I've been here so many times. So anyway, somebody, uh, uh, I think the Holy Spirit is the most generous person ever. Amen? So there's somebody's taking up an offering, and we think um, the first, you know, and and the, the person who's taking up the offering will say, you know, just take a moment, think about what you want to give, you know, pray about it. See what the Holy Spirit drops in your heart. And all of a sudden, boom, there it is. You've got, a, a, you've got a, um, a, an amount. But I'll tell you what, within 20 seconds, 10 seconds, you've halved it. We've halved it. Because we start thinking, well, hang on a second, you know, it's sort of put me me under a little bit of pressure or whatever. Or, you know, well, actually, there might be a lot, there's probably a lot of people going to give to this and they only want this amount. And so we, we talk ourselves out of it. Amen. We sort of almost get buyer's remorse. And what I would say is the Holy Spirit is generous and. So your, be, your, your best offer is always going to be your first thought that the Holy Spirit puts into your head. And, and, and Sari and I have worked off the principle, when the Holy Spirit gives us a figure to, for an offering, we act upon that, that figure. We don't start trying to, we don't, I don't say to Sari, hey, what do you think? And then and she comes in and, and I'll tell her what I think and then she goes, eh. I don't think we should give that amount. My figure was this. So we always go for the higher amount because don't we have a generous God? Amen. Not just generous with our money. It's his money. Amen. We need to understand that the earth and all that's in it is the Lord. It's his money. He's being generous with his money. And he's also generous with you and I. We get to, We get. To, he blesses us so that we, he, the Bible says that the, the Lord gives us the ability to create wealth. You and I think that our, often we think that our, our, our wealth is because of our smartness or that, you know, we're, we're just super intelligent and we've all of a sudden been able to sort of generate this wealth. No, the Bible says the Lord gives you and I the ability to generate wealth. So we need to understand, and this is not an offering message actually, but let me just say this. If, if there is an offering out there, pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit, how much would you like to give me of your money? Of your money, Lord? It's not our money, amen? And the word is just so valuable. Uh, um, you know, when we built this church, i just wanting to give some, some examples today so that you can realize that it's, it's not just over one particular thing. But it's a wide, we, we, need to, we need to seek God's advice in every aspect of our lives. In every aspect of our lives. You know, when we, when we, uh, um, we planted the church and then we, we outgrew our building down in Cooper Street and we were looking for more land. And I had this—I had this amazing idea. It seemed amazing at the time, but again, it was—it was my idea. I hadn't really sought God on it. I just said, "Lord, we need a bit. Uh, we need another block of land." And so I just got out and started looking at stuff, and i, I got my heart set on that block of land down where Tumus are now. It used to be the old Nimmons building, and I thought, "Ooh, ah, that'd be mean." Made a few inquiries. I think the land alone was about four million dollars, and. I mentioned it to the leadership and I'm like, guys, you know, like God can do anything, you know, like, but I was sort of trying to convince myself, really. And uh, Joe, they were all against it. It's about the only time they've ever turned on me in the whole time we were pastoring the church. They all said, do you're crazy, that, 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 no. So I said, okay, and started to arc up. Okay, then you find something. You've left it all to me. You fellas go find something. And Joe says, well, actually, by the way, there is a little block just down the road down here. Go and have a look at that. So I came down, had a look, and I, I man, instantly the Lord gives me this picture of what this could be down here and everything. So I rang the leadership, said, guys, come down here. We, we need to make a decision like snappy quick, like a typical fashion. We need to make a decision by this afternoon. Um, and so they all came down, they all walked on the thing. I sold them my sales pitch, but they were already in. I thought I was selling them on the deal, but they were already in. And uh, and, and, and here we are today. But it, guys, it wasn't just like that. We bought the property, that was great, but now we had to build this building. So we got our plans drawn up, we needed uh, 3.6 million dollars, Dave. I think it was about 4. Po- it was about 4.6 initially, and then we realised if we did the work ourselves, or a lot of the work ourselves, and Sammy came on board and did all his stuff for free, um, that we would be able to get it down. But 3.6 million dollars, guys, is still 3.6 million dollars. It could have been 20 million, for that matter. And so I thought, well, we're going to take up an offering. And i just heard the day before the Baptists that were about half our size took up an offering and they got 250000 One offering. Yeah. And so I thought, yeah, well, you know, I mean, okay. So I thought, well, let's take up an offering. You know, there's plenty of cash floating around. And we got forty grand. Well, uh, yes, it was awesome, but it wasn't awesome to me at the time. I thought, you're stingy coots, (laughs) 40,000. I know four or five people that gave nearly all of that. So that was my heart. My heart wasn't really in this deal, and 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 now I'm discouraged. And I think think that that was for a reason. I think that the the Lord allowed me to get to that place where where I was feeling like well, heck, you know, those fellows have got it We're like a church twice their size, and we get a, a quarter of, n- not even a quarter of what they, what they had. So I was, dis- I was disappointed, and I was discouraged. But then I was out here walking around the place, and I'm like, well, Lord, we didn't even get 1% of what we need. So now what are we going to do? And the Lord spoke to me as plain as day, and he said this, I give seed to the sower. I'm going to read it to you. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 9.10. Now he who supplies the seed, we know who's doing that because the earth and all it's in it is the Lord's. He who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, now I missed the righteousness part, I will say that. But I, I paid attention to and will enlarge and, uh, and will increase your store of seed. So I was thinking, well, okay, as a farmer, what does that tell me? Get the seed in the ground. So I took that, that, that money and that 40000 and we, we put it to work out here. And I've got photos that I could show you sometime where they scrape the dirt off. The grass had it all stacked up outside our house, so it smelt like a silage pit out there, eh, honey? For about three weeks, all that rotten grass coming into our window every day, so I had to live with that every day. But all we had was a, a, a dirt patch out here, and the money was gone, and the money was gone. But God was so faithful in that in that scripture that it. You know, yes, I did. I still had my lack of faith at times where I was walking around here thinking, well, Lord, if you don't show up, we're in for big trouble. But God did show up, amen? And the guy comes to me, the contractor comes to me, and he says, Jack, you're so, we've got an issue here. Your topsoil is so thick, it's gonna cost 100 grand to get rid of it. And so, again, now I'm like, well, well, I haven't got 100 grand, And now I'm starting to look like a fool in front of everybody in town. And I was like, I didn't want to be a fool. You know, I didn't want people to think I was a fool. So now I'm out there praying hard out. So every morning, me and my grandson, Benji, we get out. We're living in the cottage here. We will pray around this land. One day I'm walking around there praying and I'm saying, Oh, Father Lord, if you don't show up, we're in for big trouble here. And I'm almost begging God, like, how's this all going to happen? And instantly an old Beverly Hillbilly song comes up to me. And it goes, and the song goes, and up from the ground come the bubbly and crude, Texas tea, black gold. And it's as crazy as this, I was walking along and that song came into my mind. I thought, what the heck? And I look at the ground and I just see this beautiful topsoil. And in my mind, I felt, that's black gold. So I rang a, a guy and I said, bro, are you looking for some primo topsoil? And he says, where do you live? I told him, he said, yeah. That's, that's the best. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll come in for every truckload I take out, truckload, I'll bring a truck and trailer load of shingle. So he came and dug it all out, took it all away, filled it all back up with shingle, which now, which equated to $120,000 worth of work. So did, was God faithful in the fact that he increased the seed? Amen. But you see, without that word, without it, that 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 word of encouragement from the Lord, I think that forty thousand would still be sitting in the bank today, and we'd be somewhere else. But you know, it wasn't just a word for me. You know, this is the, this is the 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 great thing, and this is a, a really important thing for the for the this church to know, is that you know you can come up with a lot of stuff and you can lead something, but if you don't have people behind you that will back you and are, are are praying into the situation, like we were just incredibly blessed, and I think we still are today, that Jay and Christy, Joe and Roggie, David and Susan, you know, they prayed into this. And if they didn't agree with something, they, they were never a yes, they've never been a yes. I mean, man, if, if I could play you back some of the, uh, like... If we had a little camera in our leadership meetings, <laughs> they could be vicious. You would think these fellas hate each other. We would really go at it. In fact, Susan a couple of times walked out. She said, you guys are stressing me out, I can't cope. It's like, I'm going. But, but it wasn't that, it's just that we were, we were passionate. Hey, Joe. We were passionate about what we believed God was doing. And so to be successful at times, you have to get a word from God. But then you have to thrash that word out. And you have to allow that word to sort of get into everybody. And God has to speak to every person their way. And then they voice it. And then you formulate your plan. And that's what happened. And I, I come down here and I drive into this car park. And I just think, oh Lord, you're, you're amazing. You're amazing. So, you know, a word from God is it's like a word from God gives you hope. It's not. It just doesn't, it doesn't just, it, it, it gives you hope. It gives you, uh, um, you get joy when you get it, when you hear a word from God. You get peace when you get the right word from God. You get courage when you get the right word from God. It's not just about when you're in a bad situation and you just need God to show up and show you a way out. A word from God is like life to you and I. The Bible says without a word, without revelation, we just live carelessly. We just live however we want to live. And that's not the life that God has for you and I. The life that God has for you and I, that it would be, as Jay said this morning, it would be a blessed life. It would be a prosperous life. It would be a joyful life. It would be a life that we, that we love. That's the God that you and I serve. And, and what I love is that he doesn't ask you and I to do it by ourselves. We don't have to navigate through this world by ourselves. He promises this. He said, I will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That means that you and I can, can navigate through the most troublesome situations. And he will guide us if we ask him. You know, but if we, if we don't bring the light of the world into our situations, we walk in darkness, amen? And you try navigating life. Uh, I, um, I often say it um, in the working in this um, uh, flood, you know, this cyclone tidying up thing. You know, come across families where their houses are not even on their foundations anymore. They moved out, they're out in a paddock somewhere. They're, all of their livelihood is completely gone. Ross and I see it every day. You know, people's livelihood, their farms even, not just their orchards, their farms, this deep under silt. All their fence posts gone, water troughs buried, um, loss of stock, lo- everything. And I think to myself, how do they live? How do they live without Christ in their lives? How do they get by? How do they get by? I think I'm going to leave it there. I mean, these guys are telling me I'm going to leave it there, so we we will. Um, But, guys, you know, but, church, I think we overcomplicate Christianity. I've believed this for a long time. I think that we have overcomplicated it by saying you have to do a certain thing, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. And I believe this. I was reading a scripture the other day, and I said to Sari, this is an amazing scripture for every one of us. John's talking, and I'm pretty sure it's one John, and he says, he says, Jesus is the light. And he says, walk in the light. And then it goes on to say, any man who says he walks in the light, but walks in darkness, deceives himself, and is a liar. So walk in the light. And I'm not trying to say that, that, you know, that we, we're not going to make mistakes. But what it does is it, as it gives us, so walking in the light is walking in the footsteps of Jesus, really walking in righteousness. And God has made a way for you and I to live that type of life. But to really do that and to really enjoy this walk of Christianity, then it's as simple as just having Christ in our lives, doing, living the best we can, living the best life as a follower of Jesus we can. Tell our kids about Christ. Keep God foremost in our minds so that before we make dumb decisions, you know, we question God first. Get a word from the Lord, amen? I, I just don't think it's so it's difficult. If Christianity was supposed to be difficult or it was only for smart people, I couldn't get it. I couldn't. I'm just the simplest as dude, and I just, I just believe it's meant to be for simple people. Amen? Okay, I'm going to finish it right there. Father, I just thank you for your incredible goodness. Lord, you are a good God. You have the best plan for our lives, Lord God. Your plan is not that we would fail, but Lord God, your plan is that we would succeed. And I thank you, Father, for your word, for your word that, Lord, we can read every day, Father God. I thank you for your Logos word that's available for us on the pages, Lord God. But I thank you, Father, for your word that you speak to us, Lord. When every situation we're in, Lord, you have an answer. Answer. You have a word of encouragement, you have a, a solution to our situation, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us, Father God, we would start to live our lives knowing that, Father God, you, we need you more than anything. We need a word from you more, Lord God, that, Father, we would be people... That would walk with a vision, Lord God. We would have a vision for our future, Lord God. We would not take day, uh, live our lives day by day, but Father, we would have a vision for our lives, Lord God, uh, for a long term good purpose for our lives. And so, Father, I just bless you today. I want to thank you for your incredible goodness and in your precious name. Last week, guys, I forgot to uh, invite anybody who might be, have been. Um, invited here today you might be have never made a decision to accept Christ into your life and so you're a person just like I was and every other person who's in this room at one stage in our lives we were making decisions for ourselves and Christ was not with us but today you can make a decision to have Christ right with you you can have you can have a make a decision today to have the Spirit of God living in your heart and so I want to give you that opportunity. If, you've, if that's you today and you're here and you would love to accept Christ into your life, I'm going to tell you right today, this is the best opportunity that you're ever going to get. It's the best deal that you'll ever make. And so I'm not going to um, say a prayer right now, but I'm going to be up front here. I want to encourage you, be bold, be brave. If somebody gives you the the nudge and and you know that's you or you're feeling your heart going hard right now, meet me up front here. I'd love to pray with you. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys.